Let me, um, as a matter of fact, pray right now. Father God, as we look at our own mortal existence, and we think about what you have done for us and paying the price for us, dear God, we are so grateful. As I think about that contemplated uh, experience it, Lord, that I see all that you have done for wretched sinners such as myself. Dear God, we are grateful. Lord, we pray for those who are experiencing pain. It could be all kinds of pain. It could be grief of losing somebody. It could be grief of not having the relationship they want to have with the people around them. Lord God, we pray that they would make sure that they center their focus on the Lord Jesus Christ takes care of those hurting hearts. We pray this in the name of a great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, here we are in uh, California, 2022. Do you know we're a sanctuary state? Sanctuary city? Do you know they have various ones around the country? They call them this sanctuary and I don't know what they're sanctuary for, but they're a sanctuary. Just stay with me. <laughs> we have sanctuary cities. We have sanctuary islands. We have sanctuary states. We have all kinds of things. But folks, I want you to know, there's only one true place of sanctuary. There's only one true place of knowing peace and rest. That place is in the will of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that there won't be storms around you, that tragedy around you, there won't be loss around you, there won't be pain around you. But that's the place to be. I love what Paul says in Philippians 4. I am content in all things, in all things. Sometimes as I sit on the tarmac wanting to get out of the airplane to be able to get to my home, and we're sitting out there for hours... I want to complain when, no, God just gave me some time to think and to pray and to contemplate. I want to be in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ at all times. The passage that we're going to look at today is really truly a fitting conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has truly brought home the message to the heart of those who are listening to him their reaction to that message. He is giving this one last parable of where to build, really, in a sense, how to prepare to build. That's what it's like. It's how do I prepare to build this Christian life? If you've been called by the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility now, not to remain as you are, but to grow, to be more in love with him. It's not just about making a checklist and saying, I went to church on Sunday. I read my Bible today, but it's for us to grow. Where am I to construct my life? How am I to put that life together? When you get saved, what is going to be most pleasing to God is what you need to be asking. And so in this last parable, he's calling us to that. The folks being carted around the USA, and I, there are, both of them are doing it, Certain states are trying to buy political air, folks, and we need to see it for the reality that it is. They're trying to get political time on the news. Are they really? 
concerned about those people? Are they really concerned about them? No, they're not. I don't care who it is. But they just want to get their message out there. They're not looking for sanctuary for these illegal aliens. Those unfortunate folks are being used. They're being used. Jesus Christ is bringing the true message of sanctuary. He's the true message of reconciliation to a God that we are separated from. You see, the sinner always needs the Savior, and here he is, and he steps in, tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin. Let's see what we have already discovered. We're just going to look back at uh, some of the passages that we've already looked at, sort of a, a, a here in chapter 7. Starting back in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus gave this wonderful picture of two gates. Two roads even is what it's alluded to, to travel, but you can't start traveling and you can't go through that gate until what? The gift of faith has been given to you. One road leads to death and the other one leads to life because you've got the broad road and you've got the narrow road. You've got the broad gate and you've got the narrow gate. For those who have come to our home for the Shannons, which we're not going to have any more this year, we'll have them next year, we have a sign up that says, enter through the narrow gate. I like to do that, folks, and I don't want you to leave the house that way because I don't want you to lose your salvation. Just just kidding. I like folks to go back out the front door of my house. You're certainly welcome at my house anytime. Two roads, two gates, one to death, one to life. Faith is the instrument, and you've got to keep that in mind, folks. That's the blessing of God that he gives to us is, is that gift of faith. Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 Uh, through 20, Jesus gives a picture of two kinds of fruit or two kinds of trees. One goes to destruction, is burned, it perishes, and the other represents life, good life. Then we have a crowd that either you are a believer because of the will of the Father, or you will perish and not be with him for eternity. And this is the scary part. Jesus says there, and I will not know you. I will not know you. And he gives descriptions of those people. They do miracles. They prophesy. They they do many works in the church. And he says, I never knew you. Folks, it's not that he didn't know about you. He knew about you. But he didn't have that personal interactive relationship with you. That's what he says here. You are not considered one of his children. That's so sad. That's so sad. For Matthew 27, 24 through 27, the picture is, is of someone who builds his house, one on a solid foundation. He sees the sanctuary of life, peace, joy, and the other builds his house on the ground that's going to bring him to the obituary. It's going to bring him to death, to judgment. 
Proverbs 10.25 says this. Don't need to turn there. But Proverbs 10.25 says this. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. You know, I was thinking about that. I don't think there's a whole lot of church-going people who think they're wicked. I think they're pretty good. I was just down in Tennessee. Everybody's saved down there. I mean, wherever you go, you walk into a shop and all there, everybody's saved. You can't even witness to these people because they're already saved. Churches on every corner. Yeah, the judgment's going to come even for those church-going people. And folks, there are people like that at Grace Community Church as well. Let's look at Matthew 24, 7, 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came. Again, we have two different kinds of people here, two different kinds of planners, let's put it that way. Both are planning to build a house, which is a metaphor for a life. That's what they're trying to do. One planner is building a sanctuary for the future. The second planner is building one that is more or less a place that is going to die, his obituary. This is important, and please take note. They birth, both heard from Jesus. They both listened to his words. We see that in in 724, everyone who hears these words, and then 726, everyone who hears these words of mine. They were able to hear them. Folks, it's like many people who come to Grace Church, they hear the words. They get to the back and can't even discuss what the message was or begin to apply it to their life and those kinds of things. They both heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both were called to fidelity to, that, to those scriptures. Both are without excuse. The metaphor of building is used or alluded to throughout scripture. Would you do me a favor and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2? And I, and I love this passage. I, I know many folks that are going through Ephesians right now. Uh, you do as well. But uh, I listened to my son-in-law, uh, who's uh, gone through that already, and he did such a wonderful job with it. But nevertheless, here we are in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the corn folks, are you building your life on Jesus Christ? Are you building your life on on him and him alone. You know, the tendency for us is, folks, is putting me first. You have that tendency as well, I think. I would expect. We like to put ourselves first. Me, 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 me. That's what we have. But here we have, 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Here's a picture of a person putting his life together in whom also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. When you came to Christ, you didn't know immediately Arminian or Armenian 1993 or something like that. I said, folks, I just want you to know what this means. I'm not going to convince anybody. I don't want to convince anybody. But I do know that you're going to hear it because we have seminary students in here and they, got to t- they start talking about those things. But that's theology 101. Not that you have to be a Calvinist to get saved. Please understand that. I never said that, never would. You have to know Jesus Christ to be saved. Truly know Jesus Christ. What do we want? We want to be a dwelling of God in the Spirit. And the only way to do that is to know Him. I mean, truly know Him. That's what you need to do is to truly know Him. This is clear, unassailable indication of Matthew 7. We can see that uh, Paul is alluding to that. Would they not use their common sense and build their house in the right place? Why, why, just, it's, it's just common sense. It's, it's what we would call wisdom. God gives us that wisdom. But why would you build in the wrong place? Why would you take that other avenue and go down that other avenue? You want to plan for the future. But so many people can't get past here. They, they can't get past their eyeglasses because they don't think about the future. What is this going to do in God's kingdom? The reason is that this man does not want God to tell him what to do, plain and simple. Do you like people telling you what to do? Oh, I have a tough time with that. I am so glad that I came on staff here at Grace Church and nobody's ever told me what to do. Go do it. Go do it. When I was a salesman, I was on the West Coast. The sales offices on the East Coast. They didn't tell me what to do. I just go and do it. Folks, it's so much easier to do it that way, but then you get married. <laughs> yep. We struggle with that, don't we? I'm not going to say the end of that. <laughs> my, my mom gave me some wisdom, I think. <laughs> we look at these two men, we think common sense is going to carry them over to build for their future, and they both don't do that. One does. Build your house, build your life. Why would you build it on something totally absurd, something totally convoluted, something just... I'm looking at these people, I'm going, how in the world can they do those things? But you know what? I was there once before Christ. I was there once before Christ. Man created by God. What are we supposed to do? Worship him. Worship him. But rather man does this, he worships himself. He takes care of self. That's all he thinks about. Man likes the idea of being his own God. 
and not having anyone tell him what to do. Man from the fall till now wants it his way. I mean, we even have songs that tell us, have it my way and not God's way. That's the whole problem. You know, we have this issue of transgenderism going, I don't feel good today. I feel this way. It's all about me and how I feel. Some of those people, after it happens, don't feel so good anymore, which is unfortunate. But you know what? That's a consequence for your stupidity. And I'm sorry, that's what it is. That transgenderism is all about me. And I'll say it over and over again, even when they take me to jail. It's all about me. Romans 1, 22 and 23 says this, Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. They exchanged the truth for a lie. That's what they would rather do. Take the truth and throw it out. And they'd rather live the lie. Men wanted to build a house. They wanted to build a house for their families. They were looking for that kind of issue. They wanted these dwellings to be a place of joy and of comfort and of care and of growth. We can say they both wanted the same thing. These men located their homes in the same vicinity. They're in the same area. They designed their homes exactly with the same accommodations. They were desiring to produce a place to live now and for the future. Jesus here is saying how all of humanity is made up of people producing something, trying to make something for their future, for their now. When it comes to life, you are either building on a solid foundation or you're building on perilous sand. That is the difference between the two homes, folks. The photo of these two homes, they looked exactly alike. They had a roof. They had doors. They had windows. They had floors. They had stairs. They both looked welcoming. And I know for some people, they need to have a porch. They have all of these things. The difference in these homes is very subtle. You don't quite see it. If you look at a photo, you do not see it. They both have designed the same building, but with one difference, the foundation. Folks, if you claim Jesus Christ, you better be building on that foundation. Don't blame blame him for not being able to do it because he's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. Is that computer? One, three. You've been giving that? Friends, we are building on past actions uh, in, in a sense. Friends, even the disappointments or tragedies of life, they can help us to grow stronger. They can help us to be better people, even through those tragedies. They can help us to improve because Hopefully, they send us to the cross. They send us to Christ. Now, folks, you all know that I'm from New York. And in New York, they have these really tall buildings there. Just one side note, I lived there for, what was it, 29 years? 
I worked four blocks from the Empire State Building, pretty good sized building. I never went in it. It wasn't until I came to California that I went back and I went to the building. But they have big buildings around there. And I always used to ask myself, how in the world do you build something that big and have it stand up? I, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. And there are obviously big buildings in other places and all of that kind of stuff. So I went online and I looked on the site that talks about that little small island of Manhattan and how in the world do they get that many big buildings on there? You would think that thing would start to sink, right? Well, you the water coming up anyway. But this is the quote that I found on the site. It says, perhaps even more important than the concrete or stone of a given foundation is the ground providing support beneath the man-made structure itself. There are a number of elements such as bedrock and sandy soil that determine how a foundation is. Sounds like somebody is witnessing the people there build it on the right foundation. Today, folks, we're going to, listen to this, unearth the foundation of two different builders. The first is this, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down, the wise builder of the sanctuary. That's what we're going to look at in verses 24 and 25, the wise builder of the sanctuary. The second is the foolish builder of the obituary. 26 and 27. And folks, I I hope you hear this clarion call by Jesus. It is so important to make sure that our thinking is going in the right direction towards Christ and letting him build us. The wise builder is one who uses the common sense, I want to say it, of Hippo. Way back when, he's a theologian as deep as uh, you, you can possibly get. I mean, he just... I'm reading through that. As a matter of fact, I stopped one of our more um, theologically inclined elders this morning and just asked him a couple of questions on what he was thinking about there. Um, that is Augustine. Augustine says this, that you need to build understanding on the gift that you've already been given by God of faith. You build your understanding or your reasoning on the gift that's already been given to you by faith. That means you don't come into the Christian life absolutely naked without any thinking going on. There is some thinking going on. You know that your life has been putrid, and now you're trying to purify it. That's what you begin to see, and you need Christ to be able to do that. It's beyond just common sense. The foolish builder heard everything that Jesus said. Wow, 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 I don't want to hear it. Or gave him the Heisman, you know, that kind of thing, whichever you want to call it. They have common sense as well. The wise builder additionally builds his house upon the truth and sustenance of the word of life. And folks, there are many, 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 many scriptures that we can go to, but why don't you turn to 2 Timothy with me? I, I just... I love Timothy, first of all, because it's Paul speaking to his son in the faith. Second of all, you can see the influence that Timothy had in his life. Um, 
And he starts in the beginning of Timothy's life, in 2 Timothy. And he says, you, however, continue in the things which you have learned to become convinced of. So we have to ask ourselves, have we become convinced of them? Without a doubt, this is the word of God. There is no doubt in my mind anywhere at any time. Matter of fact, I said when I got saved, if I find anything wrong, then all of it's wrong. And Paul says, you, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And this is sweet, parents. This is sweet. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. His youth, his young days, Lois and Eunice were building into him. I, I, when I first got saved, I, I asked a young man who was in our ministry, I said, so what do your parents do for devotions? And he says to me, they don't do devotions. His father was a very uh, well-known professor, okay, And so I asked the man, I said, so what do you do for devotions? And he said this very unique, and I thought was an excellent answer. He said, Bill, all of life is a devotion. All of life is a devotion. God is in everything. And you need to make sure that your children know that God is in everything. And so that's what we did. We had a life that was built on that thought. That's what you do for your children, for you young folks who have those kiddos at home. Anyway, let's go back there. From childhood you have known the sacred writings are able to... All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. All Scripture. You know what, folks? You can even go to the book of Leviticus. Don't mean to pick on the book of Leviticus, but I know some people say that's where they die when they're trying to read through the Scriptures. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's what it's there for. It's to correct our selfishness. It's to correct our incorrect thinking. Training in righteousness so that the man of God, woman of God, I'm going to put that in there as well, man or woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You, you want to live for Christ? You want to build your house on the, the right subject, the right area? Make sure you build it on that, the Word of God. Fifty ways that a husband is to be um, uh, loved by his wife. And I went, you got to be kidding me. There's nothing in there about Scripture. So I threw it away right away, honey. You didn't have to read it. <clears throat> I went, you got to be kidding me. If it doesn't have Scripture in there, I don't need it. I don't need it. The builder, the wise builder, builds his house on the truth, on the word of life. Old professor at Grace at uh, Master Seminary who was here, was the um, director, whatever it was, Dick Mayhew, used to have on his Bible, word of life. I like that. Word of life. How do we know? How do we know? that we are to build it on the word. Well, here it says right in the, in the passage, therefore, here, it is not just listening, folks. 
It's not just listening. Anybody can listen. But it's the implementation of those words. It's the implementation of those words. I remember being on a, a beach in Venice, and some guy there is mumbling through the Bible, and he has absolutely no idea what he's reading. And I asked him, do you understand what you're saying, what you're reading there? He didn't even have a clue. I tried to explain to him what it was. He didn't want to know. He just wanted to keep mumbling through it. You see, the house that is built on a solid foundation is one that's built on obedience. How do I know how to obey? I need to know what the Word of God has to say. They hear the Word and they act on it. You know, some people, some folks say that John MacArthur is not an applicational teacher. Now, I've heard it all the time. Folks, he can't apply it to the housewife who has 16 kids or whatever, or the newspaper boy or anything else. He has to do his preaching by implication. This is what the Word of God says. He has to tell you that, and then you have to begin to put it into your life. You put it into your life. It's up to you. That's what it's about. You build on that foundation, which is Jesus Christ. The word for wisdom in the text means a person of understanding. This person has practical wisdom to apply the the various issues of life in regards to the scriptures. But the practical lends itself to knowing what God has to say and listening to him. If I had more time, the first three chapters... It's all about wisdom, all about understanding, all about wisdom, and applying it to self, applying it to self, applying it to self. It's a father trying to teach his children, his son. That's what needs to happen. And and let God teach you in those chapters, and I wish I did have more time. This builder not only sits in in on the sermon of Jesus Christ, but he does something with it. The message does not lie stagnant in his mind or even in his Bible, maybe on some notes that he took. No, that person takes those notes or, or takes that message and sits down on Sunday afternoon or Monday morning when he's having his devotions and he begins to examine, how can I apply that truth to me? Not my wife, not my kids, to me. But some people like to sit there and say, oh, who are you? It's not about whether he did a good job or not. Whether you did a good job or not is much more, much more important. Did you do something with that message? This person takes the tools that are presented to him in the scriptures and he goes to work on the house. He listens to the warnings. He heeds the truth that's there. Planner number one, the wise builder, we're going to call him, let's... We can even call him the sensible one. We could call him the judicious one. We could call him the wise planner or the level-headed planner. All of these could be called, could that man could be called that. This is the one who is daily killing his self-righteousness. He's putting on the righteousness of the majesty on high. That's what he's doing. He looks at a piece of land and he notices the solid rock. And that it stands when that rain does come. 
No, it's interesting how God does things. But a few weeks ago, I had to go into the dentist for, you know, the dental cleaning and all. And I'm sitting in the chair, and you you don't get to talk very much when you're in there, you know. (laughs) And I find that very difficult. (laughs) (laughs) And my dental hygienist is cleaning my teeth, and she says, you know the rain we had the other night? You know, the Friday night that we had that rain? We had a sweet summer. She's, She's telling me that this two or three foot flash flood came over her property uh, at that point. And she said, nothing happened to her property, but the guy next to her, his house got all kinds of damage and all of that kind of stuff. And, and she said, how did that happen? I said, well, I've been studying. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I tried to tell him. And so she stopped, and she let me speak. That, that down and She didn't go to church or anything. I said, but that's the passage. The passage here tells us that the builder, this builder, Jesus is referring to, built his house on the rock. Verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, are you acting on the words? That's what it comes down to. Are you personally, I'm sticking my finger in your face, acting on the words? What are you doing about it? You must do something when you hear the word. I remember years ago when John was preaching through Titus and they looked at, they saw that they needed to take care of the widows. So they set up a, a ministry to try to take care of widows. It was important. Folks, the figurative meaning of the word rock here is building on these, what is it? The words of mine. Friends, sure. They're all his words. Folks, it can't be in one ear and out the other. And, you know, I do a lot of counseling. I sit down with a lot of people, and I teach them, and I tell them, and I have them do things. And so often it goes in one ear and out the other. And then they wonder, I I didn't get anything, you know, I didn't change. Well, that's why. Jesus says something similar in Matthew 28, and you know this one very well. Go, therefore, and make disciples uh, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what is it? What happens? And then teaching them to observe all that I command you. That's Jesus just before he's leaving this planet. That's what he wants us to do. Here's another one. You can jot the, 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 the uh, verse down. Isaiah 28, 16. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed, he who believes in it will not be disturbed. Another one is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 11. And it says this, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Build your house on the rock. Build your house on the cornerstone. That's what you need to do. Don't ignore it. It's something that you have to do. Don't just think, well, I'm in heaven. I've got when the test comes, and it will. The storms of life begin to settle in, and they will. That's what happens to our spiritual home. 
Those storms come. It says in 725 there, Matthew 725, it says the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house. The rains fell. These are not the gentle rains that are feeding the the earth to, to grow your crops and all of those kinds of things. No, this is the torrential rains that fill up, and, and if you've not been in California to see this, the flood channels get filled up right behind my house. There's a flood channel. And that puppy got filled up one time, I mean, right to the top. And uh, I get a call from my wife, and she's at home. And she says, uh, we can see the flood channel because at that point because the fence had been down. Our back fence had blown down. And, and after that, there's two more feet to go up. And I said, but... Just in case, take all my Yankee memorabilia and put it up. <laughs> I actually did say that. <laughs> and she actually cooked dinner for me that night. <laughs> Just in case. Oh, man, I don't know how you live with me. <laughs> the rains fell. Torrential rains. And California used to get them, and I do believe it's going to happen this year. But it's not just torrential rains, folks. The winds are pounding. We saw a little bit of a picture of that in Ian. They begin to blow. They begin to slam against the house. There's extra tension in this problem that you have. But the one who hears, the one who listens... I know that there are tensions in your life. I know there are problems in your life because you are here. Not just because this is where you come, but that's what happens to everyone. Everyone. If you've been in California when it rains, terrific winds, rain, lightning sometimes, they shake the house. What about a hurricane of rain? It uproots the trees around you. And they begin to crash in on houses. Beloved, that happens in our lives, I must tell you. The news of a a beloved friend dying. News of a loved one that walks away from Christ. I've seen that happen. These are devastating. Devastating. Your heart is rocked, but you need to put that heart on the rock. With me to Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. I, I love to use this particular passage to help people to think about what they need to do with that heart that's waffling back and forth. And it says there in Isaiah 26, 3 and 4, it says, The steadfast of mind, listen to that, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. He's there for us at all times, whatever the situation. It doesn't matter even if it's an earthquake. 1994, 6.8 earthquake. Houses jumping up and down. Is he there? Of course he is wanting you to think about him. James 3.13, don't need to turn there, just jot it down. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by what? His good behavior, his deeds of gentleness and wisdom. That's what you do. You become people who are working out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
The wise builder examines his life in conjunction with the word of God. He strives after holiness. He begs God, help me to be a holy person. Folks, that's not work salvation. Please get that in your mind. That is faith that produces that effort. Only faith can produce that kind of effort. Faith is the only thing that can actually produce your walk with God. Now we do have a second builder, and I just have a few minutes for the second builder. One who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell. Great was its fall. This planner does not act, does not respond, but continues to procrastinate, continues to make excuses, continues to ignore the wisdom that is given to them. He wants the blessings of knowing God. He may even come to church on occasion. He may even drop a coin in the offering. But the true worship of the king is too hard for him. The second builder builds on human psychology, human philosophy, things that are not stable, things that change. And they change all the time with the culture, depending upon who has. But he does not want the hungering and thirsting for God and his ways taking up his time. Too much effort there. Folks, he turns into utter ruin. An obituary can be written for this man. He ignored the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus apparently have significance for external, eternal existence. This man wants the same things as the wise builder, but is so self-focused, he can't do anything. He wants God's blessing, but he just does not want God. This builder is unteachable, full of pride. His self-deception runs deep. In a sense, we, we look at, he looks at Jesus. He's astonished. The, the words that he's saying, but what does he do? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus laid out what ignoring his words leads to. It leads to an obituary of eternal death. There is a choice to be made, folks. Listen and build on the foundation. Ignore and receive the powerful consequences of death and watch your house go down in ruins. The result is, as I like to put it, with all that water from the rain, is like a spiritual toilet. Just goes down the toilet. And great was its fall. When, when Jesus writes these words or says these words, think back at when you heard him, the gentle and lowly Jesus. No, he's smacking him right in the head. Not a seeker-friendly message of the ages. It is tragic that some will not even be aware how far they are from the Lord. Jesus is putting a punctuation here. Punctuation on his teaching, on his preaching. There will be a crash. It's the crash of hypocrisy. Friends, don't let this happen in your life. 
Even if you think that it could happen, speak to somebody, pray with somebody, ask for help. We've been going through this Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus directs our thoughts to come follow him and not the world. Go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 28. We're going to try to wrap this up. We see the two opposing builders. We see one who builds on the solid rock and the one who builds on the sand because of his... Then Jesus, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. He was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Wow. They were all over it. Look at this. Look at how wonderful this is. They were amazed at his teaching. They were hanging on his every word. That came out of his mouth. And Jesus concluded they were in shocking amazement. They, they were swept away by his preaching and teaching there. They were. He spoke with authority. But you know what the result was? Look at this in verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Wow, we finally have an evangelist here. Jesus happened, right? But folks, in the end, it wasn't so amazing. In the end, it wasn't so wonderful. They demanded his life in the end. They called for his life to be taken. Crucify him. Matthew chapter 27. Just absolutely incredible. Matthew 27, 20. Why did they follow Jesus? Was it because of the miracles? Was it because of the bread and the fish? Probably. Probably. Matthew 27, starting in verse 20. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to put Jesus to death. They listened to another voice. Said Barabbas, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said, Crucify him. Crucify him. That's the wide road there, folks. That's the tree with no fruit there, folks. That's what they ask for. To me, it's just absolutely astounding. They heard the words. They saw the miracles. They ate the bread. It didn't mean anything. It didn't mean anything because Jesus never was their foundation. He was never their foundation. Verse 23, and he said, Why, what evil has he done? But they kept shouting all the more, saying, Crucify, or in that area in Tennessee, everybody would tell me they're a Christian. But you know what? In the end, they're going to say, Crucify him. And I'm not trying to blame just Tennessee folks. You can go to Alabama, you can go to Georgia, you can go anywhere. Grace Community Church. After he fed them, after he healed them, it's not enough. They want more. It's a sad thing. 
But so many who think they are in the church today, they think they will be Jesus's. And I, I look at all the trinkets in the shops that we walk through, and I'm going, and they're going to hear, I never knew you. Folks, make sure it's not you. And I know that you can't have your own salvation to change your heart, that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Don't just let it go by. I don't know how much more time we have, and I, not for today. But I don't know that it, when the time comes and we're heading down to the worship center, God shows up and raptures us. How many are going to go? How many are going to go? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace in this passage. We do see grace, Lord, because there are some who hear your word and follow you. There are some who heed your word and build their house on the rock, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And Lord, who live their life, not perfectly, not at all, when they see you face to face, when that faith is given sight. Father God, I pray for these folks here. They are a decent people. They are nice people. But I pray that they not just be amazed at the word of God, but they make sure that they live the word of God. I pray this in your name. Amen.